Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Thank you for the opportunity to ask questions. It's so helpful. Married to my sex addict husband for 12 years. He has gone through five therapists. Two of them were CSATs. He can't seem to get sober for more than a a few months. The longest he had was seven months. And even that was about um, just about sober and far from recovery. So his CSAT now wants to try things on a different, a little different. She has started doing EMDR with him on childhood trauma. I'm a bit confused by this because this uh, Zooms and all the other podcasting groups I go to always say that they need to have sobriety before starting trauma work. He does not even have a three-circle plan, and I have not had disclosure yet, and he is in full-blown relapse at the moment. Any thoughts? Thank you. Lots of thoughts, Uh, I'm sure. Well, actually, I I have one pretty clear one, which is this is somebody who should be in residential treatment. Um, Here are the criteria for being in treatment. One, you can't stop the behavior, no matter how you try. Two is maybe you have trauma, and even though you're trying to solve the addiction, when the trauma gets kicked up, you end up acting out. In other words, you can't look at the trauma because you act out. You can't really stop acting out because you have to look at the trauma. And so those are situations where people might come to residential treatment. And, you know, what I hear, Kami, I will say this is complex problems. You know, and one of the things that you and I have talked about is that people seem to symptom shop or focus on the symptoms. So if you do one particular, if you treat eating disorders, you look like everyone has an eating disorder. And so um, I, I really wonder about, hold on a second, let me see this again. Um, yeah, well, I don't want to comment on what the therapist is doing. That's not my job. I'll simply say, reinforce what you said, which is I don't think just talking about this to someone. If I'm acting out, I feel shame and confused and guilty. And I don't understand how you can work with past trauma when you're creating situations in the present that are that are really emotionally difficult. I was just talking to someone who said, I really want to get into this trauma work. I want to do this, do that. But he's never been sober or only a few weeks. And, 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 it, and there's another piece too. Part of sobriety, I think, I don't know what Tammy will say. It's like building up a foundation inside of you. It's like having a solid place to fall. I, I, you know, strong emotions. I don't go act out. I feel, figure out how to deal with them because I'm reasonably solid inside. And without sobriety, you don't have that kind of foundation inside. And without that foundation inside, you certainly can't work on, on trauma because you have to be really well supported on the outside in and on the inside out to do that kind of work. So, um, Although I will say one more thing. This is there, it says he's been to five therapists. So there is a common denominator here, and it's him. I guarantee you in those bunch of therapists, there were one or two that were good. I think maybe the one he has is now. I, I just don't know if he's uh, is really taking advantage of it when people challenge him to do things. Maybe it's just time to move on to someone who's easier. Um, I don't know, Tammy. I, I could talk about this one all night. What is your thought? Well, I, and, and me too, but what you're talking about with, um, I, I went to my 12-step meeting today at lunchtime and somebody shared 
you know, a complex life situation. And this person shared that they had the resources and the support to be able to, to do that. And that's what I see with this is he has no foundation and, you know, he can say, well, they never made me do a whatever, but, but I, I suspect somewhere along the way he's been, had the opportunity to know about a three circle plan and some basic foundational things. If he's going to 12 step, you would hear some stuff if you were actually paying attention when, when you're going. So, so it, uh, again, Dr. Rob said the common denominator is him. And so always looking for, well, if I, if I just go do this trauma work, then, then that'll be all better. It, you know, there's no magic fix. There's no magic cure to this. This is a lifelong issue and getting the foundation on which to build is how we, you know, we change, you know, but trust me, I needed a 12 step meeting this, this morning. I was like, I'm going to a meeting, you know, and I come out and I'm, I feel much better and nothing changed, nothing changed except me, you know, my perspective and attitude changed. That was it. So. And we always appreciate that. We always do. I wanted to just note that, you know, in situations like this, people can be depressed. You know, they can have psychological or psychiatric issues, psychiatric issues. So what my therapist might perceive as trauma, and if you just work through this, you'll be feeling better, could also be long-term depression. And, you know, I, again, he could be a complete BS, whatever. And, you know, he just goes through them when he is done, when they push him too hard. But it could also be that, uh, as I said earlier, you know, people are, when therapists focus on a symptom, they sometimes miss the whole picture. And there might be other mental health or, you know, maybe as OCD, maybe there are other things going on that haven't been examined. Um, so I would also look, so either he's full of crap or he needs more help, but from a different arena. So I just throw that in there. And I'm going to ask, what are you doing to take care of you? So that regardless of all of this chaos that, you know, that he's creating and you know, uh, the magic shell of like, oh, just, you know, just look over here. Um, you know, what are you doing to take care of you? We have a betrayed partner, a, a level one uh, work group that will start again in August. So check that out in the Seeking Integrity site, but hopefully you're coming. Thank you for coming to this, but hopefully you're also going to the drop-in groups and, and uh, getting support for you. If you don't have a pro-dependent aligned therapist, email me, Tammy, T-A-M-I at Seeking Integrity and tell me where you're located and I'll do my best to help you find somebody. If you're working with somebody that's supporting you, great. Um, but but if you're looking for you know help for that specifically, because nothing you do or don't do is is causing him to do what he's doing but um what do you need to do to take care of you so okay next question hi guys thanks for the service i'm truly oh, fighting for my life i am one month sober from porn and six months from sexting um i get clinical support once a week and having and have been going to 12 step for one month and recently joined online Facebook groups over the past month, a lot of anger has come up and I want to flip tables and storm out of 12 step. I realized how alone I truly feel, how much trauma I've left unresolved. And I've been trying to do the right things to counter that, but I've been feeling really depressed lately about it. I find myself wanting to download friends apps to make friends in a healthy way, but the urge to use porn and sexting again, so strong, I delete them. This disease has taken my social life, made me lose interest in pursuing my real dreams, and it makes me feel like I'm living with a disability. <clears throat> I'm in so much pain, it feels like I, it would be easier to just end it. Should I check myself in somewhere? Okay, there's a lot of questions in there. 
Let, let's take them one at a time, or if you don't mind, Tammy, there's two things that struck me. One is we were just talking about unresolved uh, emotional or mental health issues, and almost everything in here is about what we call dysregulation. You know, you're angry, and then you want to flip tables over, and then there's something else I saw up here. Um, oh, I feel depressed, I feel alone, I have, you know, so every one of the things you described while related to early recovery and all that, to me sound like the ups and downs of depression or something like that. And I'm not out here pushing medication, I'm not a, a doc, but I gotta tell you, um, I, I would have been able to stay sober without medication, but with medication, I'm actually able to enjoy my life. Um, and I'm not pushing medication, but you know, there are family issues. You can sign to see a mom or a grandfather or someone who struggled with emotional issues. Um, you know, they do go down in families. So in any case, this does feel to me a little bit, you know, when someone says they don't want to live, uh, that really concerns me. So again, I I'm glad you're getting clinical help once a week, but what does that really mean? What is clinical support? Is that like a uh, a free group you go to? Is that um, someone at community at Mount Health Center? Is that, you know, what are you getting help? Who is giving your help? Also, if you're feeling like you may not want to live and you're feeling that helpless and hopeless, uh, two things. One is you need to get on the phone and tell your therapist now because that's what they're for. Um, number two, you know, and Tammy would support this. How often are you going to 12-step meetings? I mean, and I really mean that because it's not about even recovery or sobriety at that point. It's about being in a community and over and over again. And people are giving you hugs and they're saying hi and you're going out for coffee. And, you know, it's just uh, it's really a way to get out of yourself. Um, and I think getting out of yourself when you're feeling this way is critical. Um, I must say one more thing that Tammy would say, too, I'm sure, which is um, one month. You've had one month away from porn of course you're feeling crazy. I mean, you know, if you drink all the time and you stop drinking, all of a sudden you're going to smack everyone like a fly. I mean, you're going to be all over the place. So stopping for a month means that all, maybe a whole bunch of feelings are flooding back in that you're not used to, and you're not used to managing anger and not used to dealing with being sad. And, you know, um, if we were well-regulated, we wouldn't act out. So in any case, Tammy, I see you're nodding your head. I bet there's a bunch of stuff that you could say about this one. The, the most the most important thing is, you know, it'd be easier just to end it all. So so please, please don't. I'm glad you're here, you know, but it's one of those where, you know, it, it's it feels awful right now. This is temporary. So so there there is help. You know, you're going to 12 step. You know what? It's OK to go to a 12 step meeting and go. I'm so angry. I want to flip the table over. You can say that out loud in a group and, and somebody will laugh and go. Yeah, I know how you feel. You know, like it's a safe place to be. You know, I don't think I saw that you have a sponsor. Um, um, highly recommend getting uh, uh, connected with uh, I'm going to 12 step for a month. Yes. Yeah, so great. But having connection with people that you like your sponsor that you can call at two o'clock in the morning when you're you know struggling, the strong emotions I I absolutely know how you feel. I mean I numbed out my emotions so badly or so well I guess maybe with addiction that you know, having to feel emotions they all felt so strong and out of control and anger um, quite frankly I liked because it was a powerful and pushed away um, I didn't like feeling hurt I didn't like feeling sad anger, anger, you know, was, was, is powerful and pushes out. So 
and it kept people away. So, um, so, um, so I had to learn about that and work on all of that. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't do it in the first month, you know, <laughs> it took way longer than that. So your, you know, and this is one of those that they say around 12 stuff, you're exactly where you need, you know, where you're supposed to be. And that sucks, but it's also true, you know, so, you know, get lean into the support. You have connections. Keep leaning into those. I'm glad you're here. Um, if you haven't already signed up for sex addiction or porn addiction 101 uh, work groups, there's more people to connect with. Um, those guys, you know, they you can get more numbers and you can connect with them. Um, you'll have a facilitator. You'll have somebody to help guide you. So all of those, you know, things. Yeah, you know, a higher level of help. Yeah, can anybody benefit from? you know, from uh, treatment. Yeah, absolutely. Does everybody need it? No. Um, but, you know, for those that are able to do so, gosh, you know, to get in a compressed time, you know, uh, ahead of things, you know, it's helpful. So I think, Tammy, else, that we, well, I think we both feel strongly about this question because obviously it's very serious, you know, when you don't want to live and then you want to hurt other people. And, you know, I do think, and I'm going to go back to this, that, you know, uh, people who are, who are bipolar, you know, they often get rageful and irritable and talking real fast and, you know, just can't stop their head from racing. And then at the other end, they're depressed and they don't want to live and they don't want to get a bed. And, you know, this is, again, these are symptoms of some things that I think you should really look into. Um, because, you know, I'm worried about you. By the way, Tammy, uh, and I am, I'm worried about you. Tammy, um, the last two sentences, I think you should respond because we didn't, and that probably should respond. Well, I did because, you know, it'd be easier to end it. And No, I was talking about the other part. A, oh, the should I check myself in somewhere? Yes. This is a Well, that's time. what I said, a higher level of help. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we have a treatment oh, program. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we, we okay. do have a treatment program, you know, for men who are struggling with sex addiction, intimacy disorder, all of these things. And, you know, great that you've got, you know, a, a month, you know, we have guys that have stopped that problematic behavior longer ago, but they're still struggling with all the other stuff, you know, because they're acting out as a symptom. So addressing the underlying issues, which that's what I think you're struggling with is all the underlying issues that are suddenly not numbed out by the acting out. So that's typical. You know, so again, you're right where you need to be. But yes, there's a higher level of help. We have an amazing expert treatment program. Dr. Rob works with the clients who come to us. So anything else I'm you want to add? Yes, I'm going to throw something crazy out there. Um, if you've ever been, the, what I do when I'm feeling like this, or I, I would go to the SPCA and I would volunteer on the weekends and I would Aww. help the animals and I would clean the cages. And because there were two pieces for that, one was humility, which I always needed reminded of. And the other piece was being able to be of service in some way. I'm not sure I was ready in my recovery to help people, but I knew they would tell me in program, you know, doing service is very important. And, you know, where can I volunteer? I love animals. And I'm not saying that you should do what I did. Um, cleaning up poop may not resolve your problem, but the idea of connecting with any kind of, person or experience that is going to feel like you really contributed will take your mind off your problems. You know, it really is true because you're focused on someone, someone else. In fact, I'll tell you as a therapist, this is a long held secret among therapists. When we're having a really terrible day, it's easier for us to work with you guys because we don't have to focus on us at all. We can completely focus on you. Um, but that's a good thing. 
So anyway, tell no, me, and, we have a, it, sorry, I'm, well, we do, but I was thinking too, it's like, rather than flipping over the tables, you know, going and cleaning the tables at a meeting is it, right. like, yeah, I mean, it absolutely is service, you know, so being the greeter, you know, you know, welcoming new people in. So there's so many ways to serve. So, okay. And it doesn't have to all be around 12 step either. So, okay. Next question. My PASA husband um, and I Born are nine months separated. Cousin. Right. Yeah. Uh, separated since uh, first D-Day. Since then, he continues sex outside of our marriage. The other day, he told me that my desire for, for monogamy is ideal. Um, before is we an got ideal married, before we get married, right? Is an, yeah, yeah. Before we got married, we agreed no porn in the marriage. I don't see monogamy as an ideal, but as rather as a boundary we both agreed upon. What's the difference between an ideal and a boundary? And thank you. Well, um, let's put the issues aside, and I look at it this way, and um, is that when you go to marital counseling before you get married, the reason for marital counseling um, is to determine if there are certain things that are really fundamental, that if they come up, you guys won't be able to stay together. So one of the things that comes up is, uh, do you want to have a baby? And if one partner really doesn't want to have a baby and the other partner really does, well, that can be a make or to break it, even though they haven't ever talked about it. Um, but if they marry because they both want to have kids, one assumes that they're both going to have kids. And so to me, this is a commitment that was made. It is part of your marriage. You, he could renegotiate it, but you're not guilty or responsible for saying yes. Um, you entered into a kind of agreement. He wants to change the agreement. Quite honestly, I would want to know why? And is it just about the porn? And is there anything else going on? But as I often say to guys, when they're not um, listening to their spouses, and they're saying, but I want to do this, but I want to do this. This is a human being, they love you, they care about you. And it's more important than whatever else is that you are doing. So um, how you feel about your relationship, what is a priority for you doesn't have to go away, because the person you're involved with has chosen to change the rules. Well, and, and she said he has continued to have sex outside of the marriage and, you know, porn and, and all that. So, and, and we, I, you know, we see this often with people who, you know, have, uh, let, let's use an example of an open relationship. It, even with an open relationship, there are boundaries and guidelines. And for sex addicts, guess what? Those boundaries, they, they can't right. even live within the, those boundaries. So, so you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what where you shift the boundaries, I suspect, that he will continue to, you know, if you gave him permission to do X, Y, and Z, he's still going to do everything else in the alphabet, you know, because that's what he wants to do. So, so you holding your healthy boundaries for your safety, you know, you, you know, you've been separated for nine months, you know, uh, hopefully you've had an STD test because uh, he's having sex outside the marriage. So, you know, what do you need to do to take care of you? Um, if he is, I mean, he's giving you a pretty strong indicators of right. what he wants so yeah at some point what do you need to do to take care of you so and i just to add to that tammy i think you know a separation is a time to evaluate to sit back and see when we sit down for coffee or dinner because we're not living together do i feel heard are they listening to me is this any different than it was before are they defending themselves or are they interested in talking about the issues so if i were 
outside a relationship examining, is it healthy for me to reenter it for me, for them? And I was getting this information, which is not only what I want to hear. I'd want to hear you're the most special person in the world and that I can't imagine being with anyone else. And every time I think about it, I realize that I love you more than I do having casual sex. That's what I'd want to hear and would make me move forward. If I heard, well, you know, I know we're apart, but, you know, monogamy isn't really an ideal. In other words, what you think and want is wrong. And aren't you going to change your mind so that we can get back together? This is a big red flag. I'm not sure that I would necessarily make on the 10th month move back in. Um, this is uh, moving the other way toward a part. And by the way, he may be telling you, I don't want to be with you and crossing a boundary that pushes you away. But I really think you should not question yourself. You know, I don't think it's very hard to see what's going on here. Yeah, so what's you next? know, and, and, oh, well, and, you know, no, that's okay. We, we can love people that, you know, just we can't love us back. You can have an ideal for a relationship mm -hmm. and go, well, you know, when I said I do, this is what we planned on. Yeah. But addicts are notoriously good at hiding things and, you know, gaslighting and everything else. So I'm sure he hid things from you, even when you got married and said, I do, you know, so, so I'm sorry. And by the way, if you say it's an ideal, um, mm -hmm. then uh, you're anything. Well, anyway, you go ahead, Tammy. I want I wanted to say something about this. I'm like, I know lots of people who can do that ideal. So, okay. Hi, thanks right. for your great go work ahead. to help with SA. It's my understanding that SAs don't have the emotional development to be emotionally available to their partner. Does that develop by working the 12-step program or are there other things necessary for them to connect with their emotions and the emotions of their partner? That's a great Why question. Why don't you start, Tammy? I think it's a good question. Well, I was thinking, Dr. Rob wrote a great book called Out of the Doghouse, which is about, so So going back to you, yes, I think we are all emotionally stunted, quite frankly, because we find ways to deal with our emotions, like we were talking about in the first question of like, or second, whatever, the question about, you know, the emotional um, upheaval that is happening. We do a really good job of uh, tamping all of that down by, you know, finding all of our maladaptive coping mechanisms called addiction. So all of a sudden we have to start dealing with that. It's confusing. It's, it, we don't know how to do that. Can we learn? Absolutely. Um, you know, but it's a great question that you're asking. Can he do it just by the 12 step? I suspect get a, a long ways. It'll just take a while, but you start learning to have empathy with the other people in the 12 step rooms and you start learning to do some things, you know, in a safer place than your primary connection with, you know, with your spouse that, you know, it's more vulnerable for you. Are there things that would help? Absolutely. You know, uh, we have an out of the doghouse work group that, that we'll be starting again soon. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, a really good therapist, you know, working on those issues. Um, but it, it, and on some point, it's like we have to learn to tolerate the uncomfortable, which is dealing with our emotions. And we're not good at it. Your thoughts, Dr. Rob? Yeah, I just I, I don't. And I don't mean to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but I don't know that you're talking about someone who's sober. I mean, I didn't say essays don't have, um, I don't hear, you know, my partner's sober. So I'm just wondering about that part. But um, that would be, always, yeah, like impossible otherwise then. So, yeah. Um, and the other piece is, sorry, Tammy, that um, we, in 12 steps, we learn how to be sober. And over time, yes, you're right, we learn how to treat people well. But emotional development, empathy is a late stage part of development. Empathy, I have to really be compassionate for my own 
crap before I can be compassionate about yours. And that can take a while. And, uh, and we've been through a lot of stuff that we, we've spent a lot of time trying to not have empathy and do the things that we want to do. And now we're being asked to actually pay attention and it's a long process. So I often have spouses, don't we, Tammy, who say, well, my so-and-so husband, wife is sober, but they are still acting like a jerk. Um, I'm using the polite language tonight. And um, yeah, it takes a lot longer. Sobriety, when you get it, you can get it for hopefully for a long period of time. But becoming a better person, that takes a long time. And that takes therapy and that takes 12 step. And, but it does take being around people. Uh, people will shape you like nothing else. Um, uh, yeah, and the emotions of, uh, I agree with Doghouse. Take the course, have your spouse take the course, have your spouse read the book. Um, I'll make 10 cents, but um, he will understand at least the words that need to be said and the attitude that he needs to have in order to begin to understand your pain and, and make it better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and I appreciate the book. I really do, but I really find it's better in a work group because, you know, it's easy to read a book. I mean, it, I've said this well, before, thanks. if we could read a, no, but if we could, if we could just read a book and, you know, oh, I magically that. get it, you know, it's, it's talking about it to other people, having someone else say something and you go, Oh, Oh, that makes sense. Me too. You know? So, so it really, you know, and you do read the book as part of the course, but it, but it, it I really think connecting with other people, that's absolutely how we heal. You know, we, we can't do this in isolation. We can't just read a book and, and be all better. So the more he practices, you know, with safe people and you know, that he doesn't care about, you know, um, that's helpful to learn how to do the things that he needs to do with you. So, but I agree with Dr. Rob, if he's not sober, I mean, if he, if he hasn't done abstinence yet, then, you know, then he's in active addiction and the empathy and active addiction are incompatible. So, Hey, Dr. Rob, um, I was, uh, uh, he, this person has been through a program before his parents are going through a divorce. My mom is still cheating on my dad. My father overshares with me. Is there anything I can do that okay. doesn't include just I'm running sorry, away? From Tammy, us? I haven't found this. I have, it's not this the is, answer. Can you um, give me a time? And the answer 503. Uh-huh. Okay. Got it. Yes. Okay. So, so this, this person is, yeah, you got it. Okay. So, Oh, I'm sorry. You have to point it out again. Like I got 503. So okay. So my mom is still. My parents are going through a divorce. Right. My mom is still cheating on my dad. My father overshares right. with Thank me. You. Is I there anything I can do that doesn't include me just running away from this? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, boundaries are a hard thing to do when you've been around people like this um, your whole life. I always found, Tammy, that I turned into a kid when I was with my parents. Like I'd be an adult in the world, but when I'm home for Thanksgiving, I felt like a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. So, um, but these dynamics you're talking about are how you and ended up with a problem anyway, you know, enmeshment and oversharing and watching sexual behavior. This is how you got here, meaning that this is the trauma that you experienced. So to be around it more is to hurt yourself more. Um, and I often say, you know, your parents are grown, they're adults, they've had a lot of their life, you're just beginning yours. And so you really need to focus on less on them and more on you. So running away. Here's what I used to do. Um, I would go see my family every weekend. 
I would see them a couple of nights a week when I was younger. You know, I would not live there. I would find friends to live with. I think what people struggle with with boundaries is, oh, I can never see, I can't see them at all or can't talk to them at all. Yeah, you can, as long as they're not abusive, but can you put a limit around it? Like, oh, at three o'clock, I have a meeting. I'll come to visit you for lunch, but I got to be gone at three o'clock. You know, how can we protect ourselves from long periods of time with uh, people who we feel uncomfortable with? And by the way, what's going on on with them, it's so none of your business. It's so none of your business. You have your own struggle. If you're on here, you have your own challenges. You know, they need to deal with theirs. And part of we talk about program is surrender. And you're going to have to surrender that they have their own problems. They are who they are. And you have to survive and do well on your own. So um, all you can do is, by the way, I, I like your instinct. I think the idea of running away from this is a really good idea. And I would wonder why, you know, why not? Why not run away or find some place to be safe? Anyway, Tammy, do you have thoughts? I do, because I, I was like, you without having to physically run away from it, you you can, healthy boundaries are like, you know, dad, I love you, I, you know, but you and mom's problem are your problems. I love you, I love mom. You guys, you know, if you need resources, I will, I will help you find qualified professionals to talk to, but I'm your son. I don't want to talk about your sex life or whatever, you know, I mean, that's like you, it will be challenging, but, but you know, I bet it will be freeing on some level too. And if every time just say, Nope, that's, you know, love you having lunch, not talking about that. Let's talk about this, you know? Um, and, And the other challenge is like, uh, you know, is your dad asking you how you're doing? Like, is it a two-way street mm. or is it all about, you know, is it all about him? So, so whatever you need to do to protect yourself, but stating clear boundaries, reminding dad or mom, you know, I, this is where I want to talk to you. These are areas I will talk to you, but this, I just can't get involved with. It's that's between you and you, the two of you. So I, you know, I think he can do it. So I was just going to add one more thing, which is, you know, they're going through a divorce. And even if you're, uh, even if you're an adult, um, watching these people separate and, and be angry at each other and try to figure it out, which for them is not easy, it's going to be hard for you too. And I don't think you have to run away, but you have to take, you have to be careful about, as Tammy said, getting into it with them or taking sides or, you know, she's doing this and he's, it's, it's not your problem. You're going to feel bad about it. You're going to be affected by it. But this is a, this is their issue. And I think what you might think about doing is grieving these parents that aren't together anymore. And what will it mean for you if you if they aren't together and where will you visit them and you know all of that. So I think you have your own work to do, which is about what is it like to move away from this thing I grew up with and uh, and let them do their thing. Yeah. And well, and, you know, I mean, they're really showing their humanity and, you know, in all of this, you know, as well. So like parents that, you know, we, we hold our parents up to be a certain way, but, you know, like the, the brokenness between the two of, of them. So, but that is their, their issue. And, you know, whatever you need to do to hold a, a firm boundary, you know, just remember, you know, you didn't cause their problems. You can't fix their problems. You have your, you know, like that Rob said, you've got enough to deal with on your own. So what do you need to do? You know, and, and if you need something from them, it's okay to say, this is what I'm looking for from you. Can you give that to me? If they can't, you know, 
that, that, you know, just understand that that's where they're at, at least for right now. So. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.